Attention on deck. You're about to take command. Welcome to The Bunker with Andy and Freddie. Welcome, everybody, back to The Bunker. I am your host, Freddie Ham, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Andy Burrows. What's up, Andy? Uh, what is up, Freddie? How are you, my friend? I think I've got out of my doldrum from watching quite possibly the most boringest game of football in the history of the NFL, and it always seems to involve our team. But hey, we won, so pleasure it was to come. one of those games, though, where you win, but does it even really feel like you won? You know what I mean? And the crazy thing was, like, at the end of it, I'm not going to lie, there was part of me that that was saying, you know what? No, just just give it up in the most Washington way possible because why the hell not? Like, I was almost rooting for us to lose that game. <laughs> I know it sounds weird, but I, I was just like, when, when Justin Fields broke away on that run and got down into the red zone, I was like, oh, yeah, I've seen this movie before. But uh. I do have to say I am glad that we did get Another notch in the win column. You know, that is good. Speaking of win column, we're winning this week, and we're winning this week because we have the absolute, the very best. He's gracing us with his presence once again. I'm talking about the leader of the Burgundy Zone podcast, and of course, kiss the ring, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> for the one, the only podfather, Kyle Ronick. Hey, what's going on, boys? It's a pleasure to be on here. You know, I'm a I'm a fan of old school football. You know, like what it would be like in the 40s and 50s, and that's what we saw on Thursday night. I loved it, man. You're not gonna tell me you were hyped up seeing Justin Fields laying there, like you know that he was getting his like he was just getting rocked. He and was, that was hurt. Fun to see. He was in pain, man. Physical. Yeah, Jamie Davis. Everyone was getting after Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne. That was just a really fun game from a defensive perspective, but offensively, my goodness, that just make it just curdles you, man. Like, with two for 11 on third down, just putrid showing yet again, man. Oh, why do you think, I mean, I feel like I'm beating a, a drum here. What is it with our offense so far this season? Because preseason, you sat down, I sat down, Freddie, we all talked, and we were all excited. We had a quarterback that could maybe get our new offensive weapons into the game. We had more than one wide receiver. We had healthy tight ends at the time. We had everything going for us. Now, is it purely because, you know, I've listened to Scott Jackson, Doc Walker. I've listened to uh, The Fan. I've listened to podcasts. I've listened to everything. Is it purely on coaching? Is it purely on scheming? Is it just one of them seasons? And that probably sounds wrong to say in Washington because we seem to have one of them seasons every year, whether it be offensively, defensively, injuries. If you had to try and put your finger on it, it's hard to say that. And I mean, it's probably it's, it's not a loaded question, but... How would you sum up our offensive woes so far this season? Because apart from game one, which we were all at, we had me, myself, we attended, I know Freddie watched it himself. Offensively, we looked very good game one. What do you think has gone wrong for this team offensively since game one? It just seems to have gone backwards. Yeah, and I think injuries have a lot to do with that. But I want to dial it back to last season. Um, when they got down to their third, fourth center, that was Keith Ishmael. So when they lose Chase Ruye early on in that second game, they have to go to Wes Schweitzer, who then gets injured, who's also the backup guard. So then Trey Turner and then 
Andrew Norwell were battling injuries all throughout training camp. So you could say his offensive line got injured very early. And then Sam Cosme just didn't look like himself. And then he's injured with the now having surgery on his finger. So it's gonna he's going to be out for a couple weeks. I, I dial it back down to it's the chicken or the egg argument. But the unfortunate part is, is that Carson needs a long developing downfield threat to be able to be successful. So he needs his offensive line to protect him. And unfortunately, because of those injuries, they don't have that ability to do that. And so then they adjust. They say, okay, let's go to the quick game because that way the offensive line doesn't have to hold blocks as long. But unfortunately, that's not Carson's strength is being, you know, mechanics, having accuracy, being able to put the ball where he wants to and getting the offense going from a short yardage distance standpoint. And so you're at like a rock and a hard place, it seems like to me. And it's hard for them to kind of figure out what will work. And that's the hard thing for them. Because what Carson does well at, they can't provide because of the injuries to the offensive line. And the thing that make the offensive line do well, Carson isn't good at. And so now you're kind of at a lull. Is kind of what I see, man, unfortunately. But it looks like, dude, are you guys concerned with Carson Wentz possibly being out a couple weeks? That It looks like it's Taylor time, baby. It's, it's going to, I mean, that's the big, dis- but Freddie, I know you're going to have some strong views on this, my man. Uh, it's the big debate that's going around social media. Me, Carl, I saw the tweet you put out about having Heineke and then Howell. I saw the, the, the tweet reference uh, that you put out yesterday. I thought it was a very good tweet. If we're still trying to win, it could be Heineke. If we're not trying to win, then you might as well put in Howell. Because like you said in your tweet, you don't want to see him never have any game time reps. And I thought that was very well put. I was yesterday I was kind of in the middle. I've had some time to think about it. And I mean, I think where are they, where are this team now? Let's be realistic. Season's done. We're not making the playoffs. We're not playing meaningful football after our last game in January against the Cowboys. Um oh. when do you spready oh. yours? Come oh. on now. Be realistic. We are Season's not playing over. Yeah, okay. Come on, come your on. Hand, let your head. It's a I'm little bit once. early to be waving the white flag there. Andy. I'm not waving. Come no, on, man. I'm not wait. I'm waving more than one white flag. I'm telling you now, we are not playing play. I'm just being realistic for once in my life. I'm not letting my my heart rule my head. Realistically, now we're not playing playoff football. If you can, if you can convince me otherwise in the next five minutes, Freddie, I will drag back everything I've just said. No, and we're think, not playing playoff football, but to say play- that the that the season is a total loss right at this stage of the season is bollocks. <laughs> but cool. what, what, what both, if the se- both of you have good points, though, to be honest, because from Andy's point of view, what have they shown you to say that they could compete mm-hmm. with playoff teams, right, to that kind of caliber? But to Freddie's point, you never know what could go on later on in the season. You don't know if a team can all of a sudden fall off a cliff like the Giants, because that's what everyone is comparing Ron Vera to. So every win, every loss that the Giants have, it's going to be compared to Ron Rivera, which is unfortunate. You know, they're two different en- entities. But that being said, I understand where you guys are coming from. And, like, for me, I, I don't really know what it is to be said, but I can say that I see parallels to the Nats back when they won the World Series. I'm not saying that the Commanders are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> All I'm saying is I've seen it happen before where a team that is injury riddled, that is waiting for the reinforcements, that struggles early on, where the manager is criticized and asked to step down. Everyone wants them to be fired. Once they get those reinforcements back, things start turning and things start happening. That being said, with Carson Wentz being injured and Taylor Heineke, I do think Taylor Heineke brings a different element. And that being said, he might bring a different energy to this team. I'm not sure if that's 100% fact. But if he does, if he's able to bring somewhat of a spark, that's what you're looking for. And that's essentially why you start a rookie quarterback for that spark. And that's what Taylor brings. 
But I, I think that leash has to be very, very short, man. Because if, like you said, Andy, the season's gone, start the young buck. Because what else? You have to see what he has in his arsenal heading into next season. Last thing you want to do is head into this offseason, possibly having a top pick if everything goes wrong, and not seeing what Sam Howell has and not being able to take a quarterback if you need to or not. You don't want to be put in that position. Mm. I am going to say this. I do want to make this point. Out of the three quarterbacks who are on the roster, if you're telling me, okay, who's going to have the most amount of success, or I don't want to say who's going to have the most amount of success, but who is going to be able to handle the Swiss cheese offensive line that we have the best, I honestly think that's Taylor. The option he does give us, and uh, and that, that Carson definitely doesn't, you know, Taylor can scramble. He can get out of the pocket. The option he takes away from us is the deep threat. You look at all our good plays we've had so far in the last couple of weeks. Been some great, amazing touchdowns deep down the field. The catch by Dotson. Uh, Terry's been involved deep down the field. That's now gone possibly for six weeks with Taylor because, you know, we've all spoke about this last season. You know, when Taylor throws the ball, Terry's got a kind of, he 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 runs his route, but then he might have to come back five to ten yards. I think we're going to have to see a lot. And and, and people like Terry and, and, and the rest of the, um, the wide receiver, they're going to know that. They've been training and practicing with Carson for the last since he's joined the organization they've been used to a certain way a, a certain way of football and they kind of kind of have to get into that mindset again of well okay we might have a quarterback that's getting out of the pocket and he'll do better than Carson in my opinion outside the pocket because Carson's just like a drunk giraffe when he gets out of the pocket he's you know he's a bit like me at 3 a.m stumbling home from the pub it's, it's I don't it know what like I don't a know teletubby. what's going <laughs> you know, like... I'll tell you something this kind of goes to to Kyle's point, I'm sorry, Kyle, I don't mean to cut you off, but I wanted to kind of talk on this when you're, you're talking about, you know, waiting for those reinforcements to come in and all of that. You know, we're at a point, man, where I feel like uh, if Taylor's going to come in and be successful, I feel like he's coming in at the right time to have some success if he's going to have any because we've got Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson's kind of getting his legs under him, you know, pardon the, the expression, but I, I feel like he's going to get going. And something that's going to help this offensive line, too, is, you know, offensive linemen, they they love run blocking. They hate pass blocking, man. Run blocking mm-hmm. is a completely different animal. And when you're run blocking for a back like Robinson who has vision and a guy who's a grinder, he seems to get, you know, he gets better as the game wears on. He's one of those old school type of runners, man, is like what he is. I think he is. that uh, mm-hmm. is going to be able to lean on him quite a bit, okay? And the other thing is that I think is getting lost in all of this. I know we've been complaining about it so much. And it's funny how from week to week we'll switch because one week it's Jack Del Rio needs to be fired. And then the next week it's Scott Turner needs to be fired. Uh, But the defense is really starting to kind of catch on. The defense is really starting to gel. They're really starting to play well. I think they finally figured out the combination that they like on on the defensive line. Duran Payne is playing like it's his contract year and then some. I mean, he is yeah. just playing out of his mind. Jonathan Allen, he, you know, he's a stalwart on that line. He's he's he John Allen does what John Allen does. Um, F.A. Obata is doing yeah. great things coming off the edge. I mean, I think well, that, the, I think that the combination the of, of Obata and Sweat <laughs> is fantastic. And then and again, remember. We're going to get Chase Young back at some point this year. That's going exactly. to help us even more. The second, the secondary, Ben St. Juice is doing a great job out there on the boundary, man. He is. Cam Curl, he's had kind of a quiet season, but trust me when I say he's going to make some big plays that make you go, wow, oh, I forgot about Cam Curl. Oh, he's still here, right? And then also, Jamin Davis getting more comfortable. 
being put in a position where he can really eat. I mean, Jamin Davis um, in, in blitz packages, man, is just fucking scary because he's super yeah. athletic and he can hit you from, from anywhere. Okay. I mean, do mm-hmm. we still now is that not, not to say that we don't still have some liability out there. I mean, of course we do. I mean, um, I, I really think that we're better off with the duo of Derek Forrest and Cam Curl rather than Bobby McCain and Cam Curl. I mean, I know that they made a commitment to McCain, but, you know, I mean, Jerry's kind of still out there. Cole Holcomb's so hot and cold, but you cannot tell me that defense hasn't been playing better and, they're, and, they're, and that they're not coming together because they are. And it seems like that's kind of been the story for the past few seasons, the defense coming together and really hitting their stride. So, I mean, like I said, that coupled with if we can get some balance on offense, please, okay, yeah, and be able to run the ball and be able to run the ball early well, then I think we're in a pretty good position. Now, I'm I'm not delusional. I'm not saying that we're going to go out here and we're going to and we're going to freaking beat Green Bay and we're going to beat all these teams. We might. They're losing to everyone else right now. I'm just I'm just saying I feel much better about this team being much more competitive than people are. I'm not ready to leave this team for dead like gotcha. so many are, and that's a dangerous game to play, okay, because the team's pissed off. You remember how pissed off Ron was in his post-game presser? Trust me when I say these players are pissed off too. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, the one thing I'll say is I understand that Sam Howell is obviously, if you on paper, is better built for this offense, meaning that he ran for 1,000 yards again with a, an atrocious offensive line in North Carolina. So he can have that mobility aspect to him, but he also has the arm strength, the throw downhill that Carson Wentz has. So Scott Turner wouldn't have to adapt the or move the playbook at all, erase anything with Sam Howell. That being said, there's more to it than that. There's blocking assignments, there's reading defenses, IDing coverages, getting guys in position, being able to command the huddle, get out the play calls, know the play calls, know what positions to go to. And that being said, Sam Howell being the third stringer hasn't really gotten that grasp that close look at the playbook as as if you were a backup. So that's why it's smart for Taylor to go now. Because if you throw in Sam, not ready with that kind of aspect, we're not there. We don't see it. We don't know if he is or not. But just saying devil's advocate, most likely he's not. You don't want to throw him like in there like a deer in headlights, right? So just give him a couple weeks. Let him get acclimated. If things continue to fall off the rails, start the kid for the rest of the season and let's see what he's got. What do you say to the fans that are saying, Carl, no matter who we put in, but this offensive line, you could put Tom Brady in his peak. You could put a Patrick Mahomes in there right now. Why this offensive line is, you know, and so do you know what? Do you know how many people tweeted me that like last week after I, you know, I put, I sent out a tweet about our O-line. Would it matter who's back there? You could put a Tom Brady, a Taylor, you know, Taylor Heineke. You could put RG3 back there. Would it matter right now with our O-line? Because they're the ones that really need to get their shit together. So my issue with that statement is I used to make that assumption, mm-hmm. right? And I made that assumption back in 2013. You guys can remember RG3 said, you know, Aaron Rodgers has help around him. He has a good offensive line. They were able to do that for him. So we were all blaming the offensive line, saying they're atrocious, they're horrible. It isn't until RG3 leaves for Cleveland that he gets sacked the same amount of games as he did the previous season here in Washington in like only three games before he got injured. Meanwhile, Kirk comes in, executes a quick passing game, has one of the best offenses in the league, and we have, I think, like a quarter of the sacks that he did that season or the same amount of him, but he was only in three games, which is absolutely crazy. That's the issue that I have here, thinking that the offensive line is as putrid as we think it is. When in reality, I think if we have a quarterback that's able to execute the quick game, get the ball out on time to a good target, reliable, and get the playmakers in space, I think the offensive line looks better. 
and maybe that happens. But that being said, the injuries have been an issue, but I am concerned about leaping to the status of saying the offensive line is terrible because I've seen that happen before where a quarterback is not ready for the offense, can't get the ball out on time, can't read defenses, and is kind of uncomfortable. And you blame the O-line because he can't get the ball out of his hands. Freddie, do you think Scott Turner's less or more worried about having a, a Taylor Heineke back in the team? Because, you know, it's it must be hard for him again because he's now going to another quarterback. He's You know, a lot of people get on Scott for our offense and some, a lot of it is justified. But if you look what he's had over the years, Fitzpatrick, Alex Smith, Taylor Heineke, uh, you know, Carson Wentz. Is he thinking now, okay, here we go again. I've got a not dumb it back is probably the wrong word. Cause like I said at the start of the show to you guys, you know, we know what we're going to get with Heineke. He's going to scramble. He's going to make good plays with his legs, which is good. And I want to see that because I feel at time. And I think you can hurt green Bay doing that and moving forward. I think he can hurt a lot of teams. Heineke is very good at scrambling, teach the boy to slide. That might be good. But, what do you think Scott Turner's thought process is right now as we're planning for Green Bay coming up a week today as we sit here recording this on the Sunday? How do you think Scott is feeling now knowing that he's kind of got to revert back to what he had last season? Uh, does the game plan completely go out the window? How do, you, how do you think he sits right now? I actually think that Scott is probably a lot more comfortable than you think just simply because he was calling plays for Taylor for a full season last year. I mean, I understand what you're saying about knowing what limitations there are, but I mean, you're kind of making the point right there and that he knows what Taylor's limitations are. He knows what he can do and what he can't do. He's, you know, he has familiarity with them. So he's going to, he's going to already know what type of game plan to devise to put him in the best position to be successful. And on the other hand, again, like I said, I hate, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm just constantly beating this Brian Robinson drum. And there's a lot of fans probably out there who are, who are thinking to themselves, you know, Brian Robinson really hadn't been all that great. Like, show me where he's been fantastic since he's come back. Evan Sheen and, and went I, I, in on him, by the way. I understand that as well. But, you know, I, this is the thing. The guy was just shot. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, but I'm saying he's, he's, got a, he's got a back now who, who is a true running back. Who's a true running back who can really carry the load. He's still got Antonio Gibson. He's still got J.D. McKissick. He's got Curtis Samuel, who's healthy, which, by the way, Curtis had a bad game. I feel like he's really going to want to bounce back. I yeah, mean, he's he just is. like he was look, like looking at his hands like, you you failed me. What's what's yeah, what's going some on? Unti- some All untimely sudden, I, drops I for him as well, which is unlike this dude. Yeah, so, I mean, and, and I do, like I said, I think the defense is going to continue to to build on this momentum that, that, that they've had. So, actually, to the contrary, I think that Scott Turner is in a very good position right now. Uh, being that he, like I said, has had so much experience with Heineken, like like I said before, look, he he knows what he's got. He knows what he can do. He knows what he can't do, and he's going to play to Taylor's strengths. And everybody's been talking about how that's an issue for that, like that's an issue for the coaching staff as a whole, not playing to players' strength. And I think that Scott Turner is definitely going to play to what Taylor Heineke does well. Mm, yeah. Carl, what did you make of Ron Rivera's press conference after the game? We've asked for passion. We've asked for not the same press conference. And, well, boy, let's not beat around the bush here. We, we got that. He, you could see him clearly put up his, his hand and went, I'm going to speak my mind for a minute. What did you make of what Ron said uh, in his passionate press conference after the game? Um, I could understand it from a human level just because of the, the impact of that. Like, you, you knew that all that was orchestrated. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, like that article gets 
published on that Thursday before the game. That way the article is used for a five minute trailer campaign ad to make, you know, portray Snyder a certain way, which I get, which it just seems very sinister to me. But look, man, that's big business and that's what they do. And you could see that that obviously had an impact because they're in Chicago getting ready for this game. And I'm sure things are like questions are flying. Everyone mm. is seeing what's going on. Yeah. Is there so any part what... of you that thinks the article is true, Carl, that Dan did have a hand in the Wentz trade? Uh, I could, I can guarantee we didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it's not like it's being portrayed. Yeah. Being that. I agree. Um, I, can, I, agree. I could guarantee you about the Vermilion thing. I could guarantee you that's false as well. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that this, uh, this article is based in third person. Like it's a third party saying, I overheard this. I overheard that. Mm-hmm. And we have to understand that that some, like, unless that's being recorded and like you could replay that, you have to take it with a grain of salt to an extent. Right. I mean, we have to be realistic. I'm glad that John Allen gave that game ball to Rivera. Yeah, great you, move. You can obviously see it's affecting Rivera in a, mm-hmm. in a way. And so John Allen doing that, like what a leadership thing to do yep. as a, like a man, a person seeing that and being like, hey, let's give him some, you know, and that, that's really, really cool to see, man. Yeah, most definitely. Freddie, before we take a couple of fan questions that people have just uh, messaged me, what did you make of the whole run situation and the news about Dan Snyder was involved in the cast? And I think it's typical media. They knew what they were doing. They, they put that article out two days before. They could have put it out two days after. I mean, typical Washington slash national media. You know, this organisation can't do wrong for doing right. Even when they're not doing anything wrong for the starters, this media thinks, you know what? Washington are playing today. Let's shit all over them and let's this gives you know let's this give them something. In. And Ron didn't need. I, I I get why he was frustrated because the man did not need that article to come out when it did, and it was just another reason for people to crap on this team. Freddie, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think it it's just uh, it's just everything just coming to a to a tipping point where I mean you can tell. I mean Ron's human, man. Like all of us, at a certain point you're going to get frustrated with all of the things, all of the shit that you have to deal with. And I just think he finally got to a point where it, it just broke. And he's like, you know what, man, I got to get this off my chest. And and he got and the number one thing, you know, talking about Carson, you know, that, that just had to come out. You know, it's a lot on this man, you know, since he got here, being the guy who is really in charge and having to answer for all of this shit that, quite frankly, he has nothing to do with. He has mm-hmm. nothing to do with. Now, absolutely- at, at the at, at the same time, people, you know, people say, well, you know, when Ron, when Ron took the job and he was given control, that it comes with the territory. And I agree with that to an extent, but fuck me, man. Tell me one other organization, okay, where the head coach has to sit here and take all of this stuff and have to answer about all of this bullshit, all of, and, and by the way, all of this shit that happened before he was even fucking here, okay? It's always falling on his desk. And it's like, what, like, what is Ron going to do? Is he going to sit up here and say, yeah, you know, the guy who hired me really is a fucking piece of shit. You know, what, what can we do? He's got to sit there and he's got to do, he's, he's, he, he's to his fucking credit too, because a lot of people have said, yo, fuck this. I'm going to yeah. stay here. I came in to do Thank a job. You. I'm going to do the damn job. I'm going to do it the very best that I can. And I'm going to hold this shit together. And you know why? Because believe it or not, Ron gives a shit about the guys in that building, which is why he was so passionate in talking about Carson. And I'm not going to say 
that that proves 100%, okay, that Snyder didn't have his hand in this. But I will say this, and this is the this is the number one compliment that I can give Ron, and that's whether or not Carson was his guy, he's going to stick behind the men that are on this team, whether it was his decision or not, and he's going to fall on the sword for those people. He's going to stand up and he's going to defend his players, and, you know, he's damned if he do and he's damned if he doesn't, but the one thing that I will say is he's going to stand up there behind this team and he's going to weather the storm and he's going to take all of these fucking arrows that you want to throw at him. And the thing is, 90% of them aren't his fucking arrows to take. If all it was was answering questions about, you know, the team and the coaching and all that, that's fine. But it's just distraction after distraction after distraction. It's one thing after another. And having to answer for this freaking jerk off, who, by the way, signs his paycheck. I mean, it's enough to drive anybody crazy. So you know what? I actually think that Ron has handled this with more class more grace and more patience yeah. than a lot of other people in the same position would do to <clears throat> to your point all right let's just say this let's go into kyle's conspiracy corner for a second all right, oh i love this play. corner i've been in that let's corner just, in a bar let's get into that was the brilliant. corner let's get our flashlights and our tinfoil hats on but let's just say bezos was behind that article being pushed right and there was fabrication to it because i could tell you that um, basically Snyder did not want somebody like Trubisky or something like that, but said, I don't mind it. Like, just don't get me a quarterback like that. Just get somebody else essentially. And so then Ron Rivera and company went out and they got Wentz and said, are you cool with this? He said, hell yeah, let's ride. And so what if I told you that telling you that that report was complete hogwash, right? And so what that's doing is that report is trying to create the dysfunction in the league for them to manipulate the owners meeting on Tuesday to force Dan out. Let's just say that's the conspiracy corner that we're in, right? Now let's look at Ron Rivera's comments about Wentz, saying that kid, that guy Wentz, does not deserve to be continue to be thrown under the bus like that by saying nobody wanted him, the owner forced him on me. Nobody deserves that because you're trying to get control of this team. That's messed up. The fact that you're just unleashing it, throwing all these people under the bus because you're trying to get at the ownership, which is ultimately what Freddie is saying. That all of these arrows, everything that's happening is, has nothing to do with Ron Rivera, but they have to sit here and take it. I'm telling you right now, what other team ever has ever had to deal with that type of onslaught? And look, you can sit here and say, I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. I get it. I'm just calling it like it is from what I see in my point of view. And that's what I see is somebody that, like Freddie said, anybody else would be like, dude, screw this. Why even take that job? Yeah, they're going to pay me a lot. Yeah, they're going to give me full control. But at the end of the day, this is going to be he like hell to get through, man having to deal with the onslaught of what's going on and uh it's just it's unfortunate that all these guys are thrown into this mix and they have to answer for that but ron rivera still has to be a leader and not lose sight of the ultimate goal and trying to get wins for this football team and because his reaction does show a chink in the armor at the end of the day mm. and that's what you don't want as a leader the, the way that i looked at it right and Freddie, what you sorry, Shelley, I don't know what to call you. There were so many F bombs. It's like being back with Shelley. But no, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what both of you guys have said. Um, you make great points. The way that I look at it, right? Yep, Ron Rivera said what he said, but I think we saw a glimpse of what the players see every day. Yeah. In that locker room at practice. You know, he can't let us into that circle, that the, the, the mannerisms, the way he talks, you know. He for a couple of minutes there, he gave us a glimpse of the man that is trying to lead these men 
every Sunday. Do we all agree with his coaching methods? No. Do we all want to see maybe that passion on the sidelines when he's just standing there with his arms folded? Yes, we, we do. But just because a coach rants and raves doesn't make him a good coach. You right. know, sometimes, you know, I've been a soccer coach and I've seen both sides of it, the ranter and raver in me and the cool, calm headed person on the sidelines, you know. So, I mean, look at Bill Belichick. You always see yeah. him in his sweatshirt looking like a troll the exactly. whole time. He's not always animated, you know. No, exactly. So, to my point is, I, and like Freddie says, there isn't another team in this league or possibly in world sport that would have to take the crap that Ron Rivera's had to take. And there's not many. Um, coaches that are working for someone like the Snyders with the history they have. You, right, you can talk about the Patriots and the Cowboys for all their they're small fry compared to what we've got going on and what we've had going on for the past 15, 20 years, you know, trying to get this owner out. And Carl, to your point, I'm a hundred percent with you, brother. This was it was constructed, it was another. Let's try and one more effort. Let's try and put some more fuel on the fire to try and get rid of Dan Snyder. And like Tim Meek, he tweeted out, I know he listens to this show. He's 100% right in what he says. Dan's not going anywhere unless some miracle happens. And I mean a miracle. The dude ain't going anywhere. Get used to it. He's not going. Him and his uh, moose knuckle ain't going nowhere. Yeah, they're, they're not going anywhere. His How funny wife, was that? It was brilliant. I mean, I love the dude to death. It was a great tweet. But he's 100% right, Freddie and Carl. You know, unless something happens at league level and, you know, who knows if Dan's got anything on these other owners. And quite frankly, I don't give a shit. I worry about the Washington Commanders and us trying to get better as a, as a team. I know for a fact we're trying to get better as an organization. Not many people uh, in in Washington land, apart from me, Carl, and I know Freddie's had interaction, can say they've actually sat down with the people trying to change this shit. So when people come at me on social media, when they come at us fans, they're going, oh, you're just, you're just Jason Wright, love boys. Or, you know, I've actually physically seen them trying to get better. I've physically seen what they're doing behind the scenes. We've been, we've been a tiny, tiny part of what they've been behind the scenes. So when these fans come at us saying, you know, you podcasters, is this, this, you're just sucking up to the team. No, trust me when I say to you, Jason Wright and all them other guys want this organization to do better. Are there things that they keep private to themselves probably about ownership? Hell yeah, there's, there's things that Carl and Freddie and me, we all keep private to ourselves about our bosses and what we think at work and what we think about other people. That's called life, people. That's called life. But Dan Snyder's not going anywhere. Absolutely nowhere unless some miracle happens. So yeah, like Carl said, Ron Rivera has to take some accountability for the team and we have to steady the ship that is this season because it is spiralling. It's spiralling. Yes, we won on Thursday, but it was a win. It was the Bears are terrible he now needs to regather the troops kind of got like a mini buy now we've got that extra week or so to prepare for the packers huge huge. huge, humongous and i'm hoping the things like the ron rivera speech and everything else and the jonathan allison uh, uh, allen um when he come out and spoke to the press i'm hoping every single player takes heed of that i'm hoping every single player could listen to some of the fans and say do you know what guys we've there's a slim chance here that we might do something. I, I stick to by what I said at the start of the show. For me personally, the season is done. I I will gladly, and I mean gladly, sit here in three or four weeks going, thank God I was wrong. Won't be the first time in my life. It isn't going to be the last time. But as for all the Ron Rivera stuff, hey, man, let's, let's give the guy a little slack. I'm, I'm kind of leaning. I was, I, you know, from what I've seen this season on the coaching side of it, but from like what the dudes had to part with, man. 
Bravo to Ron Rivera of what he's saying. Bravo, man. But I thought I'd throw my two pennies worth in. But uh, Shelley, Freddie, whatever we're calling you today, back to you, my friend. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got one last thing that I've got to ask the Podfather. Yeah, I need to ask some fan questions as well quickly before we leave. But go on, Freddie. What, what do you want to do? You want to do fan questions first, and then yeah, let's, and then let's we'll get... quickly. Yeah, let's end okay. with what you want to ask the Podfather. But uh, Carl, let's ask you. We've only got three, my man. Only three today. Um, Paul uh, Murphy, good guy over Paul. here, man. He's he's Hello, a Paul. He is a good dude and can drink for Scotland. I won't say England because he's Scottish. Carl. I like Paul. He's a good dude, man. If Wentz is confirmed as out for the next six weeks or so, looks like he is, what realistically can we expect our record to be this season, my friend? That's from Paul. I think originally you drop it down to probably eight to nine wins, I think, if you're going to be realistic. Um, but the big question is if Taylor has learned from last season and not having the turnover-worthy plays. Um, and then that being said, Antonio Gibson did have a lot of fumbles last season. The acquisition of Brian Robinson is something they missed last season um, and is something that they truly did need. Now, Logan Thomas, is he going to be healthy? He is a legit red zone threat. I'm not sure if you guys were watching red zone today, but a bu- when they these teams get in the red zone, it's the tight ends that are making a difference. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys are getting touchdowns. You don't know their names, right? And that's what washington kind of needs is logan thomas to come back and that's what i kind of meant by the reinforcements so paul i think they can win some games with taylor heineke if not with him with sam howell and uh i think that's the smartest way to go about this because taylor is built for this moment this is why you have him on your roster as an emergency starter to come in for you and to be able to execute your offense he knows these guys he worked with them last season Tyler larson coming back on thursday was a huge help sitting charles has done well, Andrew Norwell was one of the highest rated PFF guys. And then you haven't heard much, a lot, about our guy uh, Cornelius Lucas on the other side at right tackle, who's coming for uh, Sam Cosme. So when Sam Cosme comes back, you don't, and Wes Schweitzer, we haven't even talked about him returning. So if this offensive line could get healthy, they get those reinforcements in there. I think this is an eight, nine win team, uh, if not with Taylor, with, uh, with Sam. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Freddie, you can have this one, brother. Uh, with William Jackson asking for a trade, what is a realistic trade value for him? Uh, let's see, two packs of Paul Malls and like a forty. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> it is like being with Shelley today. He's honestly. right. It's, it, his Bruh, contract is um, the biggest concern. His yeah. it's his contract. Well, it yeah, kind if, of leads me if, into the and maybe to segue. Who's willing to take that? I mean, honestly. Yeah. I feel like, it, man, any anything above a six round pick would be would be would be positive. Honestly, I mean, You'll be lucky I, you just, will be lucky to get that. Say, no, because the, what it, it puts you in a difficult position when other teams know that he don't want to be here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah. It, it's. It, I mean, it's just what it is. And I think the whole scheme thing. I think it's just a cop out. I mean, he's got to have it some. He's got to have some reason why. Other than I just don't want to be here. I don't get along with, with, with these people. It's just, you know, he, he can't just he's, say, I just want to go somewhere else. He's like, just making um, excuses, which is exactly what happened when Ron Rivera benched him for his play. He made an excuse to the media that it was his back. And that's why he's saying it's scheme, whatever have you. He's not saying it's his back. Is the reason and he's why saying he wants that's, that and that's why now, he's not he? traveling with the team. No, you're right. not traveling with the team because you're, you're fucking shit. sorry. Yeah, and so shit. it's funny he's not talking about his back when he's asking for the trade, right? But that was mm. the reason why they took him out of the game. Yeah, he's so, gonna go which somewhere else. William, which is it, William? Healed. Yeah, Paul also yeah. followed up, Carl. Um, he said, um, "Did we, with uh, the likelihood of William Jackson uh, the third being traded, 
did we recruit badly or did we just not utilize him to his strengths? I thought I think that it was a recruit uh, kind of failure in a way. I do think a lot of it has to do with uh, COVID, if I'm not mistaken, that was the COVID year. And so things were like a, a lot of it was like on FaceTime, if I'm not mistaken. And so maybe that's why there was a little hiccup in in kind of scouting, you could say, that season. But look, well, I think that they thought that they could do what they did with Ronald Darby, being a kind of a man guy, make him force him in the zone, use his eyes, a veteran guy. But William Jackson just didn't translate like that. You know, he had a pick here and there randomly, but he never gave you that consistent play. Look, I, I gave a lot of crap to Josh Norman, but at least the one thing you could say about Josh Norman is that he was a leader. He at least did invoke some sort of leadership qualities. He did seem like the alpha in the room. You never got that with William Jackson whenever he stepped on the field, but that he was one of the highest paid players on the team. And that's one of those things that it, it probably was a personality just not fit. And he, I, I just think he got paid and he didn't care all that much because Agreed. scheme fit is not the reason why CD lamb leaves you completely alone in the corner. You know, scheme fit is not why you can't come up and hit the knees of Derrick Henry or David, you know, it's not that. Stop making excuses. You're just not playing ball. And yeah. sometimes that happens as professionals, you know? Mm, well said, my friend. Uh, Scott Hartley, uh, little moonlighting bastard, been doing all these other podcasts. You know, I'm a, he knows what I'm ribbing about. We have a little group chat. But um, Freddie Scott says, uh, it's kind of uh, what Carl's already kind of touched on this. What do you see next and expect for the rest of the season? Watching Red Zone shows today, there are not many teams worse than us, maybe apart from the Bears. See, Carl mentioned our record there, uh, what he thinks, but the season as a whole, um, obviously you kind of touched on it at the start of the uh, of the podcast. You don't think the season's done. It might. Do you know what? It, it could happen. We've done it last season. We won a run of four games. 2020, we done it. We went on a little run, albeit with a, you know, it was a very weird season that year with a lot of injuries happening in our division. Our division keeps freaking winning. That's the issue. I mean, we haven't, yeah. you know, the year we won the division in 2020, you know, we... The division was crap. The division was terrible. This season, the NFC East is the best division in football. I mean, Freddie Scott would like to know what is your what does the rest of the season hold for you? Like you say, because he's saying the Bears are the only team that are worse than us. Yeah, the Bears are, are probably the worst team in the league right right now. But I mean, we were the worst team in the league the week before. You know what I mean? Now we're one step above the Bears. I mean, I just it's it's pro football, man. I mean, they're so there's such a small difference in talent from team to team, even though people like seem to think that there's these huge jumps in talent. There's really not where there's big jumps is there's big jumps in chemistry and there's big jumps in, you know, teams being well-prepared and well-coached, but the talent level in the NFL really ain't all that different, man. Freddie, you had something you wanted to ask the pod father before we get out of here, buddy. Yes. I'd like, yes I, I would like to ask the pod father and all of his great wisdom. What are the keys, if there are, to a victory over the Green Bay Packers? Uh, the we the ways the key to victory against the Packers is pretty simple. It's run, uh, being able to establish a run against this defensive line. They can rush the passer and get after you. They have a good secondary, like Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage is back there. They're they're good in the back end. I mean, hell, the, the Jets just beat them, man. Come on, pick six, pick six at the end as well. They did, and so that that's the kind of the key for Washington to kind of mimic is being able to run the football effectively at Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, but defensively being able to get to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't want to depend on just Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne. I do want to get Jamin Davis and Cole Holcomb into the mix. 
being able to send them up the middle and delayed blitzes, forcing Aaron Rodgers to move. Because right now he is dinged up. He is good outside the pocket, but Jamin Davis is so athletic that I think if you put him on Aaron, he's going to be able to keep up with Aaron wherever he goes. And so I think that's probably the most important aspect of it, is making sure that they cannot run the football effectively and controlling the trenches and keeping pressure on Aaron Rodgers. Because you can you saw it like the Jets did today. Their interior defensive line controlled that game, and that's what we can easily do. We saw that on Thursday. I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is Justin Fields. I'm just saying we saw the effectiveness. We saw the dominance. And maybe, just maybe, Casey Tuhill and company, who are underrated on this defense, are going to keep having success with Montez Sweat because, dude, they are dynamic right now. Yeah. And Cam Curl, my boy Cam Curl, Fred. Cam Curl. I mean, our, our defense, yeah. man, they're, they're playing lights out in a minute. I was super in. They're the shining light in this team right now. And for all the shit that I've given Jack Del Rio and this defense, I humbly eat humble pie right now because this defense is literally carrying this team on their backs, man. If we can somehow get it together on both sides of the football, you never know, man. I mean, we done See, it. We we beat we done, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers when they were undefeated, and we steamrolled them when everyone, no one gave us a prayer. So maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping the gun here, and I'll I'll bow down to you, my fellow co-host. You know, we we might be okay. We might be okay, but um, everyone gave me crap because I said how big of a difference Cam Curl would be when he came back from his injury. And the funny thing is, I feel vindicated because we interviewed uh, Nick Acreage, and I gave him. We had a conversation two years ago, right before the season last season. They did not rank Cam Curl. I think they rated him 21st safety in the league, and I gave him crap. I was like, that's not right. The kid is good. He's going to be top 15. He's, he's top 15 right now, and he's going to be top 10 next season. And look at him, number one rated by PFF now. And I feel vindicated because he was like, <laughs> yeah, we messed that up. Like, I got PFF to admit it, baby. That's it, bro. That's what happens, man. But um, Kyle, it's been amazing as always to have you're part of the family, mate. You're a, you're a you're a friend. We appreciate uh, you, boys. No, I don't even consider you a guest anymore, my man. You're just a friend who comes to talk ball with us. You know, guests are people that I have to graft and maybe sometimes get on the show. You are part of the family, my man. You, uh, we all look up to you. We respect what you do, my man. Um, tell our listeners for those that don't know what you got coming up, my man. Plug the socials. What's going on in the uh, in the Burgundy Zone in the week coming up? Of course, yeah. You can find new episodes on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, uh, podcasts, all over the place. But YouTube predominantly. We're gonna have a new episode Monday and Thursday. Being able to pregame for this game on Sunday, which is gonna be a lot of fun. But as always, guys, I can't thank you enough for the invite. I always appreciate you guys being able to talk some ball uh, with two of my favorite people on here. You know, I like to say that we are the uh, Mount Rushmore of the podcast, right? Mount Rushmore. Uh, Mount yeah, Rushmore. And so it's always, it's always fun to talk ball. And it's unfortunate because it's dark right now. But I'm just saying I, I've seen crazy stuff like this happen before. And there's generally there's reasons for why these things happen and why you play poorly. And I do think the injuries are an indication of that. And I think if the reinforcements come, boys, good things are going to happen. You're going to start seeing a different team. I think the addition of Tyler Larson was a big difference maker. So fingers crossed, mm. boys. I know the season looks bleak, but you never know. You never know, man. Okay. Do you know what? Just because of you two, I'm going to wind it back. Maybe the season isn't over. Freddie, my man, it's been a pleasure as always, my man. Uh, Find us on Twitter at Commander Bunker. Come check us out. We've had some great interaction this week, but uh, we will be back. But gentlemen, it's been a pleasure talking Washington Commanders football with you. Let's do it all again next week. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the Commander Bunker podcast. I've been your host, Andy Burrows. Freddie Ham, Carl Roenick. Freddie, you can do it this time. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe.
and you're killing it on the other side, brother. You're doing <laughs> yeah. some other stuff too, Andy. You're a busy man, successful man. Yeah, oh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm enjoying doing my uh, my my local football team over here. Even Freddie's now a fan of Dunstable Town as well. I can't believe that. Come on, you blues. Yeah. <laughs> All my Dunstable friends are going to be so pleased that I got them into the uh, to the to the Washington podcast. They I they love they love the fact. No, a quick funny, actually, not even a funny story. This is a this is amazing, right, Carl? You're going to love this, Freddie, and you as well. I had a Washington fan reach out to me. I'm not. I haven't got my DMs open right now, so so apologize, apologize for not having the name shout out on the show. Right, a Washington fan DM me. We have a thing at Dunstable where you can buy ownership and you can send money and you become a part owner and you get like a season ticket, you get a banner. Washington fan never met, spoke on Twitter. I messaged me saying, Andy, I want part of this ownership deal. Sending your team $500 right now to be part of this thing. This I want to be part of Dunstable. I want to own half the, you get a little percentage of the club. You get like a share. Mm. Bam. He'd done it within 20 minutes. I got a message from our chairman going, uh, Andy, this is the third Washington fan that's contacted us to say they want to be part of our organization and he goes thank you to you and all the washington fans so honestly any washington fan listening to this that's interacted with me about my oh, little man. my little soccer team over here man uh, england people are gonna hate you me know you should be hitting up hit up the brass letting them know saying hey man let's make a connection here like you know a little international connection going on yeah bro. but it's it's truly amazing that the connections that you know the the podcast world has given me and i just wanted to say thank you so much man i haven't got my... andy i'll tell you what i, I listen, called you the bridge I... for a reason sir <laughs> yeah, andy, thank you, when i when I hit the lottery and I come into that large sum of money, I'm going to purchase a controlling stake in Dunstable. Okay. I'm going to take it over. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to, I'm going to come in there. Okay. And we're going to drive up all the concession prices. We're going to drive up all the merchandise prices. And I promise you this, the culture is going to be damn good. 